0: what a day what a weekend it's been in the sports world here in el paso man oh man uh obviously the um news for uh, el paso hockey is the, the big story here and that went down yesterday the padres have been trading like crazy and i mean it's unbelievable what uh what went down with them over the course of the last 48 hours. So we got so much to cover on the program. And then if that's not enough, how about 620? We're going to get uh, Jesse Tovar on with us from prep one USA and Jesse is going to sit down with Adrian. And uh, their conversation is going to be coming up in uh, a couple of hours from now. Keith Law is going to join us to begin hour two of the show. So we'll get a chance to talk to the baseball writer from The Athletic and also get his thoughts on what the Padres have done. In the meantime, we want to begin the program today with the big news. The news that we found out in between periods last night that uh, El Paso, Texas has been crowned Hockeyville, USA. And as a result, they win the jackpot. $150,000 towards rink upgrades from Kraft Foods and then an NHL preseason game coming to the event center. What an emotional time it has been for Corey Herman, who has pretty much championed uh, with his staff and family and everybody else uh, El Paso and hockey. And now uh, it's just like winning the lottery it really is and uh Corey joins us uh, on the program uh, to begin the show today first off congratulations and and welcome back Hermie. Yeah,
1: thanks cap thanks for having me it's uh it was an exciting day yesterday
0: it's it was an exciting weekend let's be honest i don't think i've ever seen more voting come through i would love to know the totals from craft because When we figured out how easy it was to vote as often as you want once you registered, I thought that most people, when they're good, could get about a vote per second until they had to eventually refresh the verification little signal um, on their computers. And I mean, it, you know, I I can't even imagine how many votes came through from every city, but especially El Paso.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's. Uh, I guess you know. Uh, um, I don't think we'll ever know like what the total vote totals were, but you know the way they have it set up. Yeah, you could, you know, you could vote quite a few times before you have to kind of refresh the the answer the robot questions. But uh, yep. but yeah, it was, you know, like going through the weekend. You know, I was kind of like it was kind of like man, you know, did we do enough? And and you know, and 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 I got it. You know, the the three people that did. You know that it, you know, worked a ton of hours. You know, Gus and and my wife and Tyler, they they've been working a ton of hours on this ever since you know January, kind of putting this whole craft hockeyville um, kind of thing together. And you know, over the weekend, we're like, you know, are we going to get enough votes? And you know, the are the smaller communities with the bigger hockey programs? You know, and it was just kind of like you, you didn't know. And then, um, and then when you know when Gary Bettman's talking, and then just just when. You know, he's talking and he opens up the envelope and, and and when he flipped it over and you saw the big E, I was like, holy man. You know, it was unbelievable.
0: Now, were you able to watch that online because since locally the game was not televised because of a... Prior uh, commitment to the Cowboys, uh, people in El Paso weren't able to see it uh, until it started to circulate on Twitter. Uh, as somebody recorded it and sent that video out, so that was the most surreal part of the conversation. Too is that everybody was waiting to watch and they couldn't see it. So really, it was social media that and people texting from other cities that were end up breaking the news.
1: Yeah, like we actually were able to watch it. We were watching the game on our iPad. We we just uh, used the I guess the NBC app or whatever, and we were watching it through the iPad. So we actually got to got to watch it, and we kind of put our phones away, you know, because we didn't want you know to read it over. We wanted to kind of watch it, and yeah, it was it was uh, it was unbelievable. It really was.
0: I know, especially when you get Carrie Bettman of all people holding the sign that the card that's got El Paso, Texas in there, and congratulating you. Much better yeah. than that when you get a call from when you get when you get that from the commissioner of hockey.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and and you know El Paso, Texas. You know what I mean? Like you know when you think of hockeyville, you know like you know that's you know like you, you look at the other city uh, the other places that have had a hockeyville like in Michigan and you know different parts of Canada and you know um, different places like that. But you know like it, it's 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 uh, a it's a it's a huge accomplishment. And you know when we're and I'm really really like to be honest with you, I'm super excited for the city. You know, I'm, I'm, we're so thankful to, like, everybody that voted, everybody that supported us, you know, all that stuff. But we're, like, super excited for the city to be able to have an event like this. And we're and we're going to, you know, we're going to work with as many people as we can to make this, like, an unbelievable event for the NHL. Like, we want to really, you know, showcase everything and, and put together an unbelievable event so they'll never forget it
0: cory herman with us uh, to begin the program today from uh, el paso hockey association and the el paso rhinos when the announcement was made official by uh, gary bettman in between periods did anybody from the league reach out and call you personally
1: uh from no n- nobody uh from uh crafter or, or uh, um or from the nhl uh, reached out or nothing like that i guess they they are going to be reaching out here this week just to kind of get everything um Kind of situated about when they're coming, mm-hmm. you know, when they're coming down to do the first interviews and and kind of get you know everything set up or everything figured out. Uh, we don't know when you know when the game's going to be or um, you know I'm assuming probably in the next you know probably next year it'll be. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's you know it's super exciting and it's it's uh, it's awesome to see that uh, you know we're Hockeyville. That's for sure.
0: We figured 2021 or 2022 is when they would come, but um, regardless whether it's uh, next year or the following year, you know the NHL is coming here. You know you're going to be getting that, uh, you know that opportunity now to fix the roof in the event center and uh, put the insulation in, which ultimately could lead to uh, a longer uh, ice time and and not have to, you know, be um, be dark for three months. So there's so many benefits that's going to happen as a result of this.
1: Well, and, and and honestly, like if you look at if you look at the arena, um, you know, it, like it, it benefits probably more. You know, it probably benefits all our other programs, like our learn to skate, our figure skating, our you know youth hockey, and all that stuff, because you know th- those are the programs that start right when we open up the arena, and you know the you know it, we're kind of dealing with the temperature and and you know different things like that, and then also like you know so when the rhinos come, it, it's like they kind of play during the colder part the colder months of the season so they they really don't have to kind of deal with the the ice as much as the as the youth as the, all our other programs you know so like when you come kind of come into april may that's when the ice gets you know a little softer and now with you know with it and being insulated better you know it, it you know with with uh, you know when you keep the heat out and the cold in it makes the ice better and the ice plant doesn't you know run as long and you get better ice and you know there's a possibility maybe that you know, we could you know extend the hours and and it'd be it'd be great. But it it, it really it's really going to help you know grow our you know youth programs, you know our adult programs and, and things like that.
0: It also means you might not have to worry about starting your home schedule in November. Now you might be able to go for earlier home games than usual because you'll be dealing with an insulated rink and a and a bet and a chance to not have to wait till the temperatures really start to dip.
1: No, I, absolutely. Like the the benefits are just. You know, it, it's there's so many, so many benefits of it, and, you know, you can start playing home games earlier, and um, you know, you can maybe, you know, maybe even have some more exhibition games and and uh, and different things like that, and and also if you look at it too with the youth, with the youth program, you know, maybe we can host some big youth hockey tournaments in in late April and 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 May when you know and we, you know when we do have really still really good ice, um, you know, we could host some a bunch of youth hockey tournaments or even adult
0: tournaments that's it's it's perfect i mean this really could not work out any better for you when it's all said and done and i'll tell you what um loving the fact that three hours ago the dallas stars sent you a congratulations tweet for winning the hockeyville usa since you've been partnering with the stars for the learn to play hockey program through the nhl for the last uh, four or five seasons
1: yeah it was uh it's awesome like the people that are that are reaching out and congratulating us and stuff like that and yeah, we've worked with the with the Dallas Stars now for. I think this is like our fourth or fifth year with the with the Learn to Play and and uh, um, you know and and, they, and that that program that they have like with, you know with all the other other NHL teams too is, is a great program for for kids to start playing hockey where you know you spend a couple hundred bucks like I think it's like two hundred bucks and you get the full bag of equipment with skates and everything and you get the you know you get the the ice time as well. To, to learn how to play, so it's it's a great program that the NHL put together with, you know, with all the the NHL teams where they kind of help out, you know, the market that they're kind of in, and and we kind of fell into the the stars market. So yeah, they've they've been a huge help to our program.
0: Well, I'll tell you right now, just having the opportunity to have my son into that program years ago, he loved it. And uh, that was his first time on the ice. And uh, immediately, that's all he wanted to do was play hockey and get hooked. And I can imagine how many other kids of all ages, when they get to do this for the first time and really experience what the program's like, since uh, most of the instructors are members of your Rhinos team and staff, uh, it absolutely gets them excited.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and you know, hockey's a very... Um it's a very it's a sport where when you get out there you know like you you can skate faster and you can run and when you fall you slide and it's a real fast game and it's you know it's cold out there and it, it's a real kind of contagious sport like you start playing and the, and the kids really you know they really want to keep going you know so um but uh but yeah like with this you know with hockey bill like you know hopefully that you know with the, with all the you know like the excitement and everything it. It kind of created that, you know. It it helps us grow our, our youth program and, and different things like that. And especially with the uh, with the NHL game coming to El Paso, and it'll kind of create some more excitement. And it's just it's just you know awesome for the city. You know what I mean? Like, whoever would have thought that, you know, the NHL would be playing a hockey game here? You know what I mean? Like, um, it's, just, yep. it's just it's just it's just awesome.
0: No, it's amazing and then, with the move to the n a h l next year, everything just kind of is working out for you. It seems like all of the chips are aligning perfectly right now. The stars I mean are aligning perfectly, and everything is exactly where you'd you'd wish it to be,
1: yeah, it's you know like um it's it's been it's been working out great and and you know like we we have a like our staff is is unbelievable like we you know they're you know, we put together an unbelievable staff and and I you know i you know, thank them every day of how hard they work and uh, you know and it's a it's a testament to them you know with with all the things that happened and, and and stuff like that and and um yeah it's it's uh it's an exciting time that's for sure and you know with the north American hockey League well, we're starting with the the north America three hockey League this year It'll be it's gonna be awesome. Yep. it's gonna be great and uh you know we're super excited for that and then you know, with uh, with the North, like we're going to take this like next year and get the the North American League team all set up, and and uh, and that's going to be really exciting. Like next next, you know, a year from now, we're going to be, you know, having our first ever training camp for the North American Hockey League, where you know you you have like first round draft picks and you know NCAA commit, you know, Division One commitments already planned for you, and and that's going to be exciting. You know, like. In May, right now, we're working on having our very first ever North American Hockey League tryout here in El Paso, and it'll probably be right around the end of May. And you know, there'll be you know 275 to 350 hockey players coming from all over, you know, U.S. United States and Canada, coming down to El Paso to try out for our team, and and uh, so that'll be a, a great thing for El Paso too, um with all those players coming in and and, and stuff like that. So it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's super exciting. It's super exciting and you know and and we're super thankful for you know like everybody that voted and everybody supported us and we're just proud to be be here in El Paso
0: I don't blame you I'll tell you what the support to vote was amazing. Seeing everybody step up, and so many people from out of the area. You had celebrities. You had Dean Cain give you a retweet. Jesse James Dupree from Jackal was on it. Kevin Vargas from our staff made sure to line up uh, some of his good pals, and Chris Jericho gave you guys a retweet.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was awesome. Like all the different people that that uh, that supported us, and you know Aaron Jones and his brother doing a video for us. Uh, you know, it was just mm-hmm. it was. It was amazing just to see it all kind of, you know, just to see it all kind of, you know, it was just, you know, every every day it seemed like there was a, a video. It's like, wow, like he, he sent us a video. Like, that's amazing, you know, and so, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was really cool to watch.
0: I agree with you. And now it's just a matter of getting everything planned, everything figured out, and before you know it, uh, we'll get hockey season back, and uh, you'll be in the three league this year, next year, the NHL, and... Uh, man I can't uh, can't wait to see how the the improvements are going to be I'm assuming based on what you know the timetable is by next year that's uh, probably next hockey season when the improvements will really start to kick in is that about right
1: well actually to, to be completely honest with you I, I've been meeting with with guys uh, already today um, you know I met with a couple people today to, to look at you know the improvements and stuff like that and and I guess the way they can uh, um, help us, you know, with the improvements, they can do it. You know, they can start start it. You know, um, in a in a couple of weeks, if we want them to. So, we're trying to get wow. the improvements, um, you know, done as quick as quick as possible, and and uh, um, you know, because it's just going to benefit benefit us. You know, um, so we don't want to wait. We want to just try and get her done as quick as we can.
0: I'm excited for you. That's great. So, really, uh, fans are going to have the opportunity, and, and now that you know that. Uh, you're going to be able to get that uh, that money from Kraft uh, a chance to get started, and not have to wait around for a check. That's terrific.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 great. It, it, it really is, and it's it's a it's a really a, a cool program and, and promotion that they do with the NHL. Like, um, you know, even like you kind of look back at at the uh, the other hockey bills, how you know the NHL Network comes to the city, NBC Sports comes to the city, and they set up their you know their booths and stuff like that, and they have all their, you know, s- you know their 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 um I guess uh, um you know their commentators whatever set up, and it really showcases your city, and they kind of you know they dress up your arena with all the craft hockeyville stuff, and and uh, it'll be co- it'll be really cool to have, and 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 what's really cool about hockeyville is that they play an NHL game in like your community rink, so it's not some big twenty thousand seat you know. Brand new sparkling stadium. It's it's like your community rink that everybody skates at.
0: One question I have for you before we wrap this up, and that is: um, are, are you allowed to win Hockeyville more than once, or is this a one-shot deal when it comes down to it?
1: It's I, I believe it's just a one-shot deal. Like once you win it, you win it, and you know, and uh, um, yeah, I, I think it's just one time because I, I think that's in the. That's in what close, I figured. Yeah just a, it's just a one-time thing so
0: well that's all right so, but we're hey, we're we're, but we're gonna you, you to, know work with
1: to. you know with work with everybody we can to make it you know to just make it an unbelievable event that you know that they'll never forget it that's for sure
0: can't wait absolutely can't wait i said this on twitter yesterday and i'm telling you right now when word started to sur- uh, surface that you were uh, named Hockeyville uh, and winning this contest, more and more talk is starting now to try to get uh, and bring the Buzzards back for their 25th anniversary reunion.
1: Yeah, you know what? I had some. I had some text messages. It was amazing. Like the text messages you get. Like wh- one of my first ever assistant coaches. He's like, Coach, do you remember when the? Do you remember when the question center was just a pile of dirt? You know, and I was just like, Wow, like. It was a pile of dirt, you know. And then, you know, you get a bunch of text messages from, you know, ex buzzer players, and they're like, we got to have a reunion now. So I'm pretty sure, you know, um, I'm going to reach out to Coach and Coach Broste and, and see if we can, you know, put something together. Because that would be, that'd be honestly, the, the perfect time to have it. You know, that would be just the perfect time to have oh, yeah. a big buzzer reunion during that, that weekend of events, you know.
0: Yeah. I can tell you right now, he's ready. A bunch of your players are probably ready. They would love to do it. Have a great time. And yeah, you put that together and get them on the ice in between periods of an NHL exhibition game. And, and that's, that's, you, you can't get a better opportunity to celebrate a 25 year history of hockey in this city, in this community than that.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely not. That'd be the perfect, perfect time to do it. And and I'm sure all the guys from year one to year seven would, would all come back and, you know, and we even had some videos of of uh, the old you know, Chris McKenzie sent in a video. You know, you know the old buzzer guys. You know, trying to help us out. So I'm positive. I'm positive that there's going to be a big buzzer union, and and I'm I'm pretty sure that they want to come back to El Paso just to see see El Paso too, because a, a lot of them haven't been back here in a while, and it'd be it'd be awesome. It really would be.
0: Fantastic. Congratulations again, you, your entire team. It was a terrific job this weekend. Everybody was loving it in El Paso. And I can't wait to see uh, not just the improvements to the event center, but obviously uh, when we get to to, uh, welcome the NHL to town, we'll be ready for it and it should be a lot of fun, Hermie.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me, Cap. I really appreciate it. Thanks for voting. I appreciate it.
0: Not a problem. It was a lot of fun. We loved it. So there he is. Corey Herman getting us started on the program. So much more coming up as Sports Talk continues 22 past the hour. But first, let's go to Charlie One, and get this traffic update. What a day and what a weekend it's been for the San Diego Padres. They have been wheeling and dealing and really trying to utilize all of the depth that they've acquired over the years at Prospect to help uh, make a run this postseason. With us right now to talk about uh, the deals that went down in San Diego is Keith Law. He uh, not only uh, writes baseball for TheAthletic.com, but he's got a brand-new book out called The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, and he joins us on the phones right now. First off, Keith, uh, I appreciate you joining us in El Paso. You know, it's funny, we were joking earlier today that just about every significant El Paso Chihuahua over the last couple of years has now been dealt away by A.J. Preller after all the moves over the last uh, 48 hours. Yeah, well,
2: that's what you do with a good farm system, right? You, you figure out the guys you're going to keep, and and they have, obviously. Fernando Tatis Jr. is in the big leagues. He's staying. Luis Patino is staying. Mackenzie Gore hasn't gotten El Paso yet, but he's not going anywhere. In, Outside of that, top tier, you have to make hard decisions on which prospects are the ones who aren't going to be part of your long-term core or whom you're simply better off trading to improve your major league roster once you're good. And they are good. The Padres are going to the playoffs this year. They've got a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. And I think this is probably, while a bit painful, the right strategy for them. Saying, okay, these second-tier prospects who may be very good in their own right don't have places to play for us in San Diego. We need to trade them to fill other holes.
0: No doubt, and that's exactly what's uh, what's been happening. It's really, it, it's pretty incredible to me that they've been able to address some some needs uh, that obviously they discovered over these uh, you know these last few months since they resumed play, and yet did not have to gut the top portion of their farm system. It seems like the the prospects they traded away, and Taylor Trammell is a good one, but there's so many other top prospects in their system that are still with San Diego after the deadline.
2: Yes, to me, that's the most impressive part. Dealing Taylor Trammell Hurts. He's a great prospect. I still very much believe in him. He is probably limited to left field. That is one thing that the Padres, I think, have been able to do is they've got outfield prospects. And and Dealing Trammell got back two pretty critical pieces who will help them this year, uh, including October, and who I think address some needs going into next year. My guess is if any... Of, uh, and they traded a lot of prospects, but if anybody comes back to hurt them the way that like a Trey Turner has, it's probably going to be Trammell. But the hope is that the Padres do enough at the major league level this year, this fall, and next year, and continue to, do, to produce other prospects that they say, well, we love Taylor, it's great that he's doing well somewhere else, but we, are, we, we still made the right move by trading him, and we have other players who, who have taken his place.
0: Keith Law with us here from the Athletic as we continue on sports talk this morning. We heard the news on the Mike Clevenger trade and and it's a biggie. Eight players, not including the player to be named later from Cleveland, coming over to San Diego. Um, we had heard rumors that the Padres were in the mix for Clevenger along with other teams were you surprised when the deal was done uh, all of the particulars involved or do you figure that that's that's just about what uh, somebody like clevenger should be commanding on the market these days
2: well i'll put it this way if you're not giving up an elite prospect you're not trading Luis patino to get clevenger how do you get a clevenger you give them a whole passable of prospects i mean when, the, when cleveland was talking about Lindor with the Padres this past offseason, which really didn't go anywhere. It wasn't that dissimilar. It was going to be, well, give us, you know, seven prospects from your ridiculously loaded farm system. Figuring the Padres' top twenty is as good as almost anyone's top twenty in baseball. We're getting three guys off the top twenty. Top twenty. We're probably doing pretty well, and that is what they did. I believe those the three prospects, three guys who still count as prospects in the trade were seven, nine, and twelve. I think in my Padres preseason prospect rankings. And then they got three other players, young players, who've got some potential upside. i actually really like Josh Naylor. I think he'll do well in Cleveland, especially if they just tell him, he'll probably play left field the rest of this year and then go to first base next year. And they'll just tell him, just go play first base and, and go hit. And he can hit. He can draw walks. And he's got power. And, and frankly, since he got his body under control, he's looked pretty good in the field. I don't really think left field is his ideal home, but... I think he'd be pretty good at first base. I like a lot of these players. I like the total of the return for Cleveland. I just have a hard time thinking about selling this to ownership or corporate sponsors or fans saying, hey, we traded a guy who was worth almost nine wins above replacement the last two years, even though he was hurt for part of 2019. And we didn't get a star prospect back. We didn't get a big name guy. Gabriel Arias might turn out to be great. Josh Naylor might turn out to be great. But right now, it just feels... Intuitively, it feels a little bit light because they didn't get back anybody with some more name value or with a clearer upside than the players they did get.
0: You look at now Clevenger, Lamette, and Paddock. That's a pretty good one, two, three the Padres are going to be thrown out there in the playoffs, isn't it?
2: It could be, right? It, It could be. But I think part of why they were motivated to make this deal is that Chris Paddock hasn't been Chris Paddock. Not the last year's version. He's given up a lot more damage on the fastball this year. The changeup's still great, but the fact that he doesn't really have an average breaking ball is hurting him a little bit with right-handers. I think some of it's been luck, some of it's maybe been a little, his command hasn't been great, but he's just not quite the pitcher that he was last year. He's been a lot more homer-prone. And in the case of LeMet, LeMet looked really good. He still doesn't really have a great third pitch for lefties. Now, lefties have not crushed him this year as they had previously. Maybe he can make it work as a fastball slider guy. I think that's great if he can. And at that point, you don't touch him. If I'm in the Padres front office, though, I'm looking at those two guys and saying, we can't count on them to pitch at this high level in October when the competition is better. Let's improve the rotation, push those guys back a little bit. Obviously, Zach Davies is somewhere in this mix as well. Push those other two guys back so that they're not. Denelson, well, that's not facing the other teams. Number one or, hey, if Chris Chris Paddock is a little bit homer-prone, our bullpen isn't quite as overtaxed because Clevenger went out and gave a seven two days earlier in the series. When you just get another starter like that, it takes pressure off of your pitching staff. The rest rest of them aren't expected to provide as many innings, and maybe guys are fresher and more effective for the rest of the
0: month. Do you think the team is going to ease Mackenzie Gore into the rotation in September, or do you think they're going to maybe keep him where they've been, developing him in the player pool?
2: I think he'll be up. I've not asked anyone with the Padres about their plans for him, because why would they tell me? I wouldn't tell me if I were in their side. <laughs> but they are a better team with Mackenzie Gore up somewhere, Any, somewhere that he's pitching. Um, given his youth and relative inexperience, I would probably say they're going to come up and work out of the bullpen, maybe work as a swing man. Have you go two, three innings, there's going to be plenty of games where they're getting blown out or they're blowing someone else out. Come in and just turn the lineup over once. And we'll use that to get you acclimated to the big leagues. And then, if there's the opportunity to maybe give him a spot to start in the last week of September, you do that. And the whole time you're evaluating him to see if he can help you anywhere in the playoffs. If he went to the bullpen, there would not be many better left-handed relievers on any playoff team's roster than Mackenzie Gore, where it's up to 97, 98 with a knockout curveball and a really good slider. Oh, he's also got a really good changeup. Oh, guys, you've never seen him before have a really hard time because he's got that high leg kick in his delivery. Once through the order, especially for an unfamiliar opponent, he's going to get in hell, and I think that's a great weapon to potentially be able to have. But call him up now, even just for some mop-up work, so you can evaluate what he is and let him, if he's nervous, let him get that out of his system. Also see how some opposing major league hitters maybe react to seeing him for the first time. See if there are any little adjustments you need to make. Maybe he's not as good as I think he is just right now. You decide not to put him on the playoff roster. It's an easier decision if you've watched him for a couple of weeks and given him some low leverage work to get adjusted to the big leagues and for your own staff to evaluate it.
0: Keith, has there been more of a surprise this season with the Padres lineup than when you look at what uh, Jake Cronenworth has been able to do so far?
2: Uh, Cronenworth has been a surprise. But I will say, and people have been asking me about him, uh, You know, is he the Rookie of the Year in the National League this year? Pointed out, it's like 100 at-bats. If this were a regular year, we'd be in the second week of May or so. And so we're seeing a lot of really weird results across baseball. I looked the other day, Mike Trout is a three thirty-three on on-base percentage. That's hilarious for him. I mean, he's 60 or 70 points of, off of what he should be producing at this point. So
3: we're,
2: And we're going to see this to the end of the season. We're going to see a lot of real outlier results unexpected from rookies, from veterans, across the board. 60 games is not much time for flukes, little blips to work themselves out the way they normally would over the course of a whole season. So if you're the Padres, you're looking at Cronenworth and saying, great, we'll take it, we'll absolutely take it. Also bear in mind what he's been in the past and say, maybe we don't necessarily plan on him producing at this level going forward, and we continue to acquire pieces around him so that if he does start to come back to earth, we're adequately prepared.
0: They looked for catchers. They added two, Jason Castro and Austin Nola, who can also play first and second as well for them if they need it. You, uh, like a lot of us, have been very high on Francisco Mejia over the last few seasons. And I'm wondering, especially since now he's hurt but hasn't really had the chance to showcase a ton of playing time and produce, what do you think ends up happening with Mejia in the long run?
2: I have a feeling he ends up somewhere else this offseason. Their long-term catcher is Luis Campisano that they're not quiet about that. They absolutely love Camposano. So do opposing scouts, by the way. So I think that's their long-term catcher. And I have a feeling Nola becomes the catcher, the everyday catcher, a primary catcher right now, and carries that into next season. Maybe carries it all the way through next season. Nola is 30, so he's not your forever catcher. He's just going to keep that seat warm until Camposano is ready, maybe at some point in 2022. There's probably not a space for Mejia, and it doesn't make sense to carry Mejia as a backup. He's not a great defensive catcher. He's maybe adequate. The whole point of Francisco Mejia was his bat. This guy hit all the way up through the minors and just stopped hitting the moment he got to the majors. That's not unprecedented, but it's pretty rare. He's never going to figure it out playing once or twice a week. My guess is what happens this offseason is they try to trade him, and if they don't find much a market for him, they could end up outriding him off the roster entirely. I'm thinking some bad team. The Orioles or somebody like that says, you know, we'll take a shot at this guy. He was an elite prospect who hit all the way up through the minors. Let's just get him somewhere where there's no pressure, nobody watching, and just let him go hit. And if he fails somewhere else, fine. But I just can't see him being in the Padres' plans after these two trades and knowing how they feel about Camposano coming up behind them.
0: You can read Keith's uh, latest thoughts on the Padres' shopping spree and the prospects on the move. That's up at theathletic.com. Plus, uh, check out Keith's two books. The first one, Smart Baseball, came out a couple years ago. And the newest one, The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. Enjoy the conversation, Keith. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, giving us the lowdown on, on San Diego here at the deadline. My
2: pleasure. Stay safe.
0: You too. From Keith Law over to Charlie One. He's standing by with traffic. We'll come back with plenty more of your phone calls as Sports Talk continues right here at 600 ESPN El Paso.
3: All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian brought us here along with Steve Kaplowitz. Now it's time to talk a little bit of high school athletics. It's it's right around the corner, and joining me uh, live in studio is Jesse Tovar, CEO of Prep One. You can follow them everywhere on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even Snapchat. Prep One USA, they do so much here in El Paso to help uh, give exposure to local athletes. Jesse, and it's been so long since we last had you on the program and gosh it's it's crazy to think that high school football and high school athletics is right around the corner but what a past six months it's been how is your how's your pandemic quarantine period been overall oh man i i gotta tell you man and it's awesome seeing you
4: guys again man but no uh, i i guess all the honeydews are done right <laughs> we've we've done everything that there was to repair at the house and <laughs> we've just been quarantined out a little bit i' uh,
3: excited to uh, for having a high school football return, An exciting time of year. Well, Jesse, you're a teacher at Yosleta High School. You started Prep One uh, two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, back in in September. But but uh, what, for people who don't know what Prep One is, I, I just kind of want to lay it all out there because what you guys do is on social media. You have a large, large platform of of thousands of followers that you have from anywhere from you know high school athletes to parents to people. Who who are even in the college ranks uh, as far as coaches go? And what you guys are aiming to do is give exposure to some of these athletes by showcasing things like their films, maybe photos of them, or even just stats and profiles overall. But could you talk about what Prep One really is to our audience and give us a little bit of a breakdown of what you guys do overall? Yeah, you know what? Uh, and it's
4: it's awesome the way it's just progressed and where, where we've grown and, and where we're at right now. But we're pretty much a, a marketing platform for high school student athletes uh, to enhance their online presence, where they can uh, potentially be discovered by coaches at the next level, and they could uh, continue those uh, relationships with those coaches. And we give we give them advice. We we have advisory sessions as far as we guide them, as far as what the process is to get. To get uh, recruited, and and every all the variables that uh, that high school recruiting uh, entails uh, for student athletes.
3: And, that, and that's a big thing right here in El Paso because obviously as we know i mean we're we're in the midst of a pandemic right now we're not getting on the field as high school athletes used to be able to to be out there for practice and things like that so exposure on things like social media and platforms is bigger now more than ever because that is how these players are being discovered and I, I think this is so important moving forward is you want to have that exposure out there you want to have your athletes showcase and you want to get in front of those college College coaches who might be interested in recruiting these high school athletes i i think that when people hear the word marketing they think first off oh I, I these guys are charging kids to expose them all over social media no that's not the case you guys are almost advisors to these kids you don't charge a dime and you'll you sit with them proudly yeah absolutely right now we're not
4: making any money off of like guiding and 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 giving these kids and their families advice as far as what to do with the recruiting process. Uh, my daughter was discovered on Twitter. Uh, as social media is a huge tool to use, especially the, the, the Twitter um, platform, but the recruiting game has changed significantly in the last four or five months. There's uh, colleges that are just uh, – college coaches that are just frequently uh, frequenting apps like Twitter and Instagram that are discovering these players and they're offering them on the spot. Or they're just reviewing their huddle film. So there's just so many things that that take that have to take place to to get recruited effectively, and a little bit of luck and being at the right place at the right time under the the right watchful eyes uh, can create those opportunities that uh, some players uh, just don't have that uh, that platform to use. And it's and it's free. Twitter is free, and and what we do is we enhance uh, what they do and we complement what they do, and uh, we'll eventually be a, a subscription based. Uh, uh, service Mm -hmm. but it's it's more for them to upload their content and things that they're going and we we could and we're going to continue guiding them and and uh, advising them on their recruiting path
3: if a parent or athlete or anybody involved is kind of thinking well where do we even get started where do you even begin what do you tell parents or anybody who wants to start off in something like this to try to maximize the exposure they get
4: well gone are the days of Having coaches fly into town and recruiting the athletes, everything is done, done on the internet, uh, especially social media. But nowadays, uh, you know, there's a lot of old school parents that think that uh, my athlete, uh, he's a baller, he's a great player, he's going to be discovered, uh, he's going to be discovered eventually. So we're just going to have to wait it out. And there's a lot of uh, established, you know ballers out there that are entering their senior year this year that have no offers and it's not because they don't deserve offers or they don't have the talent to play at the next level it's because they started the recruiting process late so we we kind of gave them a timeline uh, as far as what you have to do every year uh, pertaining to your recruiting because every year it's something different. You just add a little bit to the, to the puzzle. And we don't want to overwhelm a student athlete their freshman, sophomore year. But, but the transition between the sophomore, junior, and senior year, those are the money years. Those are the ones where it's going to make or break the athlete. Because you don't want to uh, be in a desperation mode your senior year where no one you're not talking to anybody. You're not, seeing, you're not being uh, sought by anybody. And you have zero offers. And you don't want to have to make up the, that lost time.
3: That's true. And I think that social media is not just something that you should do. It's something that you have to do in order to get to the next level.
4: Yes, and that's one of the first things that we tell parents. We tell them you have to get on Twitter. You have to establish your Twitter, uh, you know, y- your Twitter account and be active on it. Not just have a Twitter account. The way these kids right now are active on on TikTok and Snap, I go you have to use that same <laughs> dedication and time to upload content on your Twitter. And 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 the Twitter it's going to be almost everything subjected to uh, the sport that that you play. Whether you're a multi-sport athlete, or you know, videos of you training or video of you networking or or just anything that shows your character pretending your 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 athletic mindset uh that's what you have to portray on your on your twitter because it's like a it's like a um a job interview really you're you're putting yourself out there and you're letting Potential employers, which are college coaches, your recruiters, uh, you know, letting them see a little bit as far as what your character is like and what your what what your what kind of person you are on social media. If you have appropriate content, if you have inappropriate content, which we stress all the time, clean it up. I've talked to so many athletes where, hey man, you your your stuff, you're you're not, you know, you got to clean up your Twitter here because you're we're about to stop you know promoting you because you're just your stuff's trash right now (laughs) but no absolutely you know i I have i I tell these athletes all the time the amount of time that you spend doing other stuff do that marketing yourself because you're contacting us going into your senior year it's almost the 12th it's almost the strike the clock on the clock almost strikes midnight we're in the 11th hour here and you're scrambling for anything and a lot of it so many variables um we we Tell the athletes to start gauging as far as somewhere they'd be interested in going to school geographically, uh, geographic locations. Understand that mom and dad, if it if it's somewhere significantly far from home, mom and dad may not be able to go watch you play. Uh, the weather, uh, the travel, um, everything that that uh, that that your location or your selection of a, of a university are they even offering what what you want to study? So there's just so many variables that take place. What's your SAT? What's your GPA? uh what's your gpa score Uh, there's so much money that could be negotiated just on how where your gpa is at and where your test scores are at whether it's an act or sat test score so no no it's it's just so many things that come into play and it's not just i want to go to college and and that's it it's it's so many variables
3: so you're telling me social media is almost like a resume for some of these high school athletes when they want to get recruited by colleges
4: yes absolutely uh, we we advise uh, student athletes all the time to upload their huddle films and it's not just huddle films where they just played the the day before they got to upload impact plays they got to uh, upload plays that catch a coach's attention and they want to start uh, you know emailing these coaches and creating a dialogue with these coaches now here's the thing there's a lot of, i've seen some athletes that uh, go on, on on twitter and they they tag nick sabin Or, you know, a big-time coach like that. You know, I I get it. I know what they're trying to do, but that's just not the way to do it. You know, the thing is you're going to have to establish a relationship with one of these coaches at these universities. That way, you know, that's where the relationship starts. And uh, most, most if not all, scholarships are are, um, offered based on relationships that they have with these college coaches.
3: And so for these advisory sessions, I think it's so important during the pandemic because when when the pandemic hit, obviously you take off all the on the field experiences for these athletes. So all they have to do is look toward their online technology and how they're able to connect with recruiters or just get their fil- film out there or just get exposure in general for the city of El- from the city of El Paso. Uh, walk me through these college advisory sessions. What goes on in them? Who are who's involved in them? And tell me how it all kind of goes down you know the way they started
4: the college sessions i, I was i tried to i tried a gimmick on uh, on instagram i i posted one day on instagram hey you know what because uh, i was getting a lot of messages random messages uh what do i do for, for to start my recruiting mr tovar what do i do you know what am i doing things right so I'll, i put it out there i was like hey uh anybody that uh wants to talk to mr tovar on a you know on a quick q a uh put, drop your phone number and mr tovar will contact you back and within the first half hour, I had like fifty messages. Wow! So I was like, I can't do. There's no way. I would love. I, I can't. I, I can't call everybody back. I don't. I just don't have enough time. So what I did uh, the following night, I had a Zoom session, and there was about thirty athletes that attended. And after that, I just uh, came up with the idea as far as, hey, you know what? I could actually start separating the, these athletes and having their families come on with these athletes. And a lot of uh, high school uh, programs have already, you know, we've already provided these for some high school programs as well, but. I like, um, you know, having these, these sessions with the family. Uh, because they're the ones that are going to be impacted financially as far as not everything's a full ride. So we have to, we start off by letting them know, hey, look, um, this is what it entails. And where are you at with your recruiting? We kind of have to gauge as far as where the athletes in the recruiting. And most of them are like, we haven't done anything. We haven't, that's why we're talking to you. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let's start square one. Uh, where Do you have a Twitter account? Do you have a huddle account? And just the little things, the little things. And a lot of uh, surprising to us uh, a lot of athletes have their huddle account from their freshman year, but they haven't touched it. They haven't published it. So that's on them now. And we're putting the ball on their court because there's so much pressure on these high school coaches where you're not doing enough for my son. You're not you're not helping my son get recruited. And now we're taking the, the, the responsible responsibility off the high school coach and putting it on the family or the athlete saying, hey, you guys got to produce your stuff. And and these uh, there's a lot of huddle tutorials as far as how to put your, your huddle film together. I used to have my daughter do it all the time uh, since her freshman year. So it's not hard. And these these young athletes are very tech savvy. They could pick something up really, really quick. So there's a lot of YouTube tutorials as well. So uh, And we guide them and we help them uh, along the way. If, if they need help uh, as far as uh, ideas as how, how to put their film together, we'll give them ideas. Of course, we won't do it for them. But because they have their own uh, logging accounts and, and uh, privileges from the schools. But we, we, we got them, let them know, hey, you know what, give me your top 10 uh, touchdown passes, your top 10 receptions, your top 10 tackles, your top 10 impact plays that's going to put you out there and separate you from
3: the rest. More with Jesse Tovar in a moment, but first let's get a bottom of the hour sports SportsCenter update. We're talking to Jesse Tovar, CEO of Prep One, joining us here in our Lubingo Studios. You could follow them on Twitter at Prep One USA. Prep One everywhere when you look him up on social media. Jesse, when we're talking about things like um, exposure on social media, I really want to talk about the off season and all the time that was kind of lost. And I, I know that there are the athletes who use this time to their advantage, whether it be you know training at home, doing virtual workouts, uh, participating in any kind of Um, you know, field activities that they can during this uh, pandemic. But it's real. the ones who are really standing out are those who have been active on social media and posting their virtual at-home workouts. I mean, we had a head coach of UTEP football, Dana Dimmel, uh, joining us in the summer who talked about how important it was for his coaching staff to see these athletes uh, in general posting workout videos at home, pictures of them slinging the football, whatever it may be. But he was talking about how important that is because n- this past summer you didn't have all these athletes who got to come here for the UTEP football summer camp. You didn't have the athletes who got to go out in East Texas to go to different combines and stuff like that. How important is social media as a vehicle for these video platforms in order to get recruited by some of these college a- uh, recruiters?
4: Well, see, the thing is now nowadays that's the only way you're going to be seen. Because of these camps cancellations, and granted, there's still some soccer camps taking place. There's still some baseball showcases here and there, but it's not as as uh, um, attended by college coaches as in previous years, uh, especially with the, the pandemic going on. There's a lot of athletes that are opting out from from their senior year of, of high school uh, sport. And what we've we've tried to tell all these athletes is, you got to put yourself out there, man. And one one name that always comes to mind, and, and he's like the master. I, I love over there in Lake, they got a quarterback you might have heard of him Orion Levis. <laughs> of course <laughs> that guy I mean that that kid is is just phenomenal just on the field off the field and the way he just puts and he just really recently com- committed and so happy for him but prior to his commitment he was just posting workout videos and and huddle videos and and photo edits and he was just tr- promoting he was a master self-promoter and we and I try to and we not only do football we do all all sports so we tell athletes you got to keep posting your stuff, whether you're swinging the bat in the backyard or juggling the soccer ball in the backyard. You got to keep on doing that. You got to keep on putting yourself out there because it shows your skill set. It shows your skill set. It shows your character. It shows how hard you're training. And it's going it, to, it, you never know which coach your profile is going to come across. And then they're going to like uh, want to DM you. They want to start following. I've had so many athletes that have contacted us, like, Mr. Tower, after prep one's tweet, uh, I had so-and-so coach f- start following me, uh, so-and-so college soccer coach, uh, a football coach. So you just never know. A lot of these these coaches, uh, they follow athletes, and that's where they could start that relationship by DMs. You know, get, just dropping a line, say, hey, coach, I'd like to know a little bit more about your program. And, and that's how, how it all starts, just opportune times like that, as little as a tweet.
3: And on the flip side, social media can be very dangerous, as you alluded to earlier, whether players or athletes post uh, inappropriate content or if they just don't post at all.
4: You know, just recently we, we've, been, we've been having our Twitter poll tournaments for, for football, and they've been great. I mean, they've been off the wall. We, we You know, we posted uh, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and running backs. I think in one of the polls we had almost 1,000 votes in the first hour and a half. And wow. It's been crazy, yes, but... One of the coaches reached out to me and said, "Hey, don't forget about uh, a, a certain player of mine," and he gave me his position, his name, Twitter. So right before I uploaded his name, I saw his Twitter handle and he had inappropriate an content, and I was like, "I can't promote this kid. I can't promote this kid and put his profile on there because it's trash." And if they can't be, uh, they want to be adult enough to be recruited. They gotta be adult enough to know how to clean up their stuff and what's appropriate or not. So you can't you can't baby these kids. You gotta let them know that, hey, the, you, you, these coaches that are recruiting you, they don't wanna they don't wanna babysit you. They wanna know that they're uh, recruiting a a, a a responsible young lady, a responsible young man uh, to contribute to their programs. And they don't want they don't want any they don't wanna babysit and they don't wanna I- have issues with you when, once you get to comp- campus.
3: There are athletes who really do need to play their senior season. And there are the athletes who might be under the radar, might not be heavily recruited, or just frankly enough, maybe college coaches just want to see another season of them before they offer them right off the bat. I I look at guys like Orion Olivas, who committed, like you were talking about, to Houston Baptist. I look at Alec Marenko, who recently committed to New Mexico, along with Aaron Dumas, the top running back in the city of El Paso but those guys are going to get all the offers. It's going to be the under-the-radar guys who are really going to be challenged during this time. So what advice would you give those guys? And I want to preface this with Prep 1 does not, not guarantee anybody's going to get a scholarship. You guys are advising them as far as exposure, but what advice would you give to some of these athletes who really want to play at that next level but are still kind of under the radar?
4: And, and, and thanks for saying that, yes. We absolutely guide them through the process. We never guarantee anything but as far as what what we tell these athletes is just you got to keep chipping away you got to keep chipping away and don't get discouraged at times recruiting can be get overwhelming it could get stagnant it could get to the point where you're like nothing is happening and then overnight just the floodgates we've seen it with Tavares Jones and, and what a great story with with Aaron Dumas and and, and Alex Marenko and, and those guys that you just mentioned right now uh, the thing that very interesting about these the situation with these athletes getting all these Division One offers. Uh, is that, uh, and it bring, brings it back to our a good friend, Ned Stansberry. He was talking about, not so long ago, about when he got recruited, uh, there was coaches from UCLA that were looking at other players, and other players got recruited. So the fact that these these uh, marquee players here in town are getting recruited, it opens up the door for another another player to be discovered. You just never know. Some high school coaches, you know, some high school coaches advocate For other other players that don't even attend their school, so that's awesome. I mean, we have a good network of what we do here with our student athletes. But we tell them keep emailing the coaches, keep tweeting away. Don't get discouraged. Don't don't and other things. A lot of athletes make the mistake of trying to do things at their own pace. Oh, I'll just leave it for tomorrow, or I'll just I'll just start on it next week. No, you got to do something every single day. You got to do something whether it's retweeting a a a positive. uh, a positive message on social media or, or or reinventing your your current huddle film because right now we don't know if how many weeks they're we're hoping for a full season While uh, some 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 teams have minimized their schedules to five seven eight games but uh you're so you have five games potentially to market yourself where we'll we'll assist you in marketing yourself and there's so many services nowadays and there's so many people that are willing to help the student athlete but it's not just about tweeting your stuff. It's about helping you through the process, and that's what we do at Prep1.
3: How important is putting your GPA on your social media? You know,
4: your bio, it means everything. Put your GPA, put your attributes, your height, weight, your NCAA ID, your position, anything that, that helps these coaches just in one screenshot, know who you are because a lot of times these athletes, they post a lot of, like, verbiage that has nothing to do with their sport. <laughs> and they, you don't even know they're an athlete with what they have on their social media until you actually, like, the other day I was looking for a defensive back for one of our tournaments, and I had a I had a, a message one of the players. I'm saying, hey, is this your defensive back? And he's like, yeah, that's our, that's our guy. I'm like, I wouldn't have even known that was him if a, a teammate wouldn't have confirmed it because they have nothing on there that has to do with their sport, but they want to get recruited. It doesn't make sense.
3: Jesse Tovar, CEO of Prep One. Jesse, if people want to know more about what you guys do, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you?
4: Right now, because the website's still being developed, we're 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 having a fantastic. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, bookings on our Facebook page through our Facebook page. Just go to our Prep One on, on our Facebook and book a session with us. We were we ha- we're booked. Uh, we book sessions every night from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. 30 minute sessions. We could go longer. And and uh, th- you know we've been booked almost every night since we launched these college advisory sessions about. About eight weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, right now, when school um, school returned last week, it slowed down a little bit. So that was pretty cool because <laughs> it's like give us a little break. But now we're starting to, to, you know, just yesterday I got three more bookings for just Monday. So, uh, you know, g- get in there and, and book a session, and, and you won't regret it. We've had we've had student we've had parents that contacted us and saying, hey, you know what, you know, forty eight hours after after uh, we met with you we my daughter applied what, what you guys told her to do and we're already talking to coaches and we've gotten a couple of, of athletes that got offers after they apply what we tell them to do so uh well we we reveal what our secret sauce is but at the same time we let them know what the process is on how it's not that hard once you're dedicated to the process
3: Nice. Well, hey Jesse, wish you and your whole team nothing but the best. You're a great friend, and I'm so excited to have you back in studio. It's been too long, man.: Yeah, no, and
4: thanks for having me, guys. What you guys do is just phenomenal. you know just I can't wait till you know Friday night lights and, and you know and our, our um, your show on Friday nights and your updates that, that's going to be something to look forward to, and uh, you know get everybody upload your, your 600 ESPN app and get ready.
3: All right. Well, that's Jesse Tovar, CEO of Prep One. You can follow them on Twitter again, Prep One USA. Go check them out everywhere on social media at Prep One. And uh, we're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, we'll get some more phone calls and tweets. Stay with us as sports talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.